Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this morning, as we continue our More Power series, is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, which was read earlier. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're still in the season of Easter, and what a great time it is. What a great time Easter Day was. Beautiful music, and every service was packed. In fact, some of us might have felt like this. <laughs> I'm sure this meme meant to highlight all those people who only show up on Easter. But in a sense, it applies to each of us. For we really are new people, new people made by Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. This slide comes from that pseudo-creepy movie, Sixth Sense. This little boy was plagued by the experience of seeing dead people. That was his sixth sense. But we don't need a sixth sense to see new people. We just need the grace of Christ. So look around and see all the new people. And then rejoice. Because new people have more power for peace. And that peace comes from Christ. In fact, that peace is Christ. Jesus is both the man and the message. He is peace incarnate and peace prophetic. Paul writes in our text, he, Christ, himself is our peace. He's the man. And he's the message. Paul continues, he came and preached peace to you. Jesus is both the man and the message. And he brings peace. Paul is writing to a group of people who needed some peace because, you see, there was some hostility going on. There was hostility between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, and they needed to be reconciled. But there was an even more profound hostility, maybe even an enmity that needed to be reconciled first. The same kind of enmity we heard when God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman. There was a division between humanity and God. There, there was a hostility between humanity and God. And that needed to be reconciled before any kind of peace could happen. Any people peace presupposes divine peace. Any peace between God's people rests upon peace between God and his people. And that's where Christ comes in. And that's where the cross comes in. We read in our text, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So two things 
need to happen. Two things need to be reconciled. Our relationship with God needs to be reconciled. And our relationship with our fellow Christians needs to be reconciled. The problem is we can't do it. We are by nature hostile. We are by nature hostile to God. I mean, how in the world can he expect us to be perfect? Uh, because he's God and he's perfect. And Jesus reminds us in the Gospel of Matthew, be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, that's a fine how do you do. How do you do that? We don't. Christ does. Christ did on the cross. He paid the full price for our imperfections and credits to us instead his own perfection, thus reconciling us to God the Father. Paul writes in Romans 5.10, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What a deal. Christ gets our sins and our death, and we get his righteousness and his life. So, part one of the reconciliation is complete. We have been reconciled to God through the cross of Christ. That means we have peace with God. And using Boston's lyrics, this piece is more than a feeling. It's a declaration. We got peace through peace incarnate. We give peace through peace prophetic. Listen to the risen Lord as he says to you, peace be with you. You got it. Now give it. Give it to your fellow Christians. That's where the church comes in. You know, a sad, <clears throat> sad commentary on the church is that there seems to be so much hostility between Christians. I mean, we're on the same team for Pete's sake. So if we want to reconcile and have peace with our fellow Christians, I suppose we should go back to the cross. Now notice the cross has two beams, a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. When you see the vertical beam, be reminded that we have been reconciled to God. When you see the horizontal beam, be reminded that we are reconciled to one another. Listen to the Apostle Peter's definition of the church. <clears throat> he writes in 1 Peter 2, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once we were not a people, we were nothing. But God has a gracious habit of making something out of nothing. He did it at creation, and he does it with us. We who were nothing due to sin have become God's own people 
due to his word of grace. And we are one people, not two. Our text reminds us of the unity of the one holy Christian church. And Paul highlights that unity later in this letter when he writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, <clears throat> one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Did you keep track of all those ones? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. That's a lot of onesies. And in this case, one is not the loneliest number. It defines the fellowship of all believers, and fellowship translates into peace. When you greet each other a little later with the peace of the Lord, feel the fellowship when you pass the peace. God's church refers to the fellowship of believers. So where is this fellowship? Where, where is God's church? Well, our Lutheran confession state that the church is wherever God's word is preached in its truth and purity and the sacraments are administered according to Christ's institution. And God's word never returns empty. We hear in Isaiah 55, as the rain comes down from heaven and does not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In addition, God's church is holy. Well, it's not holy because of us, rather it's holy because of her association with Christ. And God's church is pretty strong. How strong? Well, Jesus reminds us when he says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's pretty strong. In our text, we see that Jesus is both the man and the message. He is peace incarnate and peace prophetic. And he brings it. He doesn't bring the heat. He brings the peace. We have been reconciled to God through peace incarnate, Jesus Christ. That means we are at peace with God. And as peace prophetic, Jesus exhorts us to be reconciled to one another. Just like the snap rappers sang it, we've got the power. We've got the power for peace. Amen. <laughs>